It is Monday, January 16th. I'm Scott Seidenberg. And I'm AJ Hoffman. Super Wild Card Weekend lives up to its name. And it continues tonight with Thomas Edward Patrick Brady. Here comes the Vegas truth. This is straight out of Vegas. We are straight out of Vegas AM, your daily destination for sports conversation with a Vegas lean. Here's what you need to know to start your day. Cincinnati takes the rubber match over Baltimore 24-17. The Giants upset the Vikings. And Josh Allen hangs on. On a rough day for him, what is the Vegas lead? Super wild card weekend, AJ. Wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah, let's start with the Sunday night game. And this was really one of the – there were four great games this weekend. Mm -hmm. Games that had drama the entire way through. You you didn't know who was going to win until the very end. And then there was the 49ers. We'll get to them later on a different level right now. But the Cincinnati Bengals – did not play their best game last night. Nope. They they did not look sharp. They did not look crisp. Tyler Huntley came to play. Uh, I've been kind of bashing him because he played really bad football uh, for the most part in relief of Lamar Jackson this year. And then last night, he did anything but. He was phenomenal. Joe Burrow was, I mean, not just Joe Burrow. The Bengals offense mm-hmm. was essentially shut down. And really, the defense saves the Bengals on a big play where the Ravens, Tyler Huntley's going in for a go-ahead touchdown and instead goes back for seven the other way, didn't cross the plane, gets the ball punched out. It felt like maybe where he where the play started, if you are a, a Josh Allen or a, a Justin Herbert, you're one of these six-foot-six guys, mm-hmm. and Daniel Jones, it makes a little more sense to – to reach up and reach out. Yeah, he should have lowered his head and got behind his offensive the lineman and then used the bush push from behind to get him across the plane. I know you, you can't say that a football game comes down to one play. It, it did. But can we? Like, yeah, this one it, did. It really, it really did. did. I mean, at least, it, it, who knows? The Bengals may have gone down and tied the game. But they, they talked certainly. about the winning percentage on the broadcast last night. And McKenzie, I don't know if you can confirm this or not, but they said it went from about 40%, 40-something percent for the Bengals to win the game before that play to 87% after that Man. touchdown. It was it changed the entire game because the, the, the Ravens, and we talked about this on the Dream Pod, the, the Ravens' defense came to play. They they shut down Joe Burrow and this offense. They You know, Jamar Chase didn't really do much. Yeah, he had the touchdown, but he didn't really do much. The running game was non-existent. The Ravens outplayed the Bengals in this game and lost because of really one play. Yeah, we have it at 43% for the Bengals to win the game before the play. Goes to 89% after the touchdown. It's wild. Like, <laughs> it, it literally, I, 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 like I said it, you can't blame one play, but I'm telling you, I agree with the percentages because if the Ravens score right there like they should have, I don't know if Cincinnati goes down the field and ties the game. I don't know if they do. I'm not confident in saying that that's an automatic, that the Bengals would have tied the game. And even if they did, then we're talking about the Ravens having the football with Justin Tucker and the ability to to, to win the game with a long yeah. goal. It just seems like 
Wow, it seems like such a missed opportunity for 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 Baltimore. But listen, that's one of those plays where if Lamar Jackson's out there, that probably doesn't happen. Uh, this is the the downside to playing with a backup quarterback, playing with a guy who's inexperienced. This is you you've got a lesser player playing the most important position in football, the position you can't win if you're not good at that mm-hmm. position, and the Ravens' best guy is unavailable. So these are the kinds of plays that happen when things like when, when you're in that situation. And I think we should really kind of credit the Ravens for playing as well as they did sure. given their circumstances. And especially given the poor coaching at the end of the game. Because yeah. I don't know what the Ravens were doing. It, they put on a clinic on how to mismanage the clock at the end of the game. Yeah, I know you have two timeouts. When you have timeouts, you're not really worried about the seconds ticking down. But they huddled. With like a minute 20 left, yeah. they huddled with like 49, 50 seconds left. They literally burned probably a minute of time at the end of the game for nothing. It wasn't quite like Mike McDaniel level where they're taking, uh, you know, delay of game penalties constantly no, throughout no, the game. No, but, but it, it wasn't was re- ideal. It was really, really bizarre. And, and, and you just wonder if they had more time, would they run the football? Would they, you know, maybe call it a couple of different plays? Because, you know, you have the two timeouts, and that's what Collinsworth, for for as much as people want to give him uh, heat for some of the things that he said, it's one of the things that he actually said that made sense was with the two timeouts and with their ability to run the football, it's four down territory. They could have ran the ball and chipped away and gotten themselves closer to getting a first down as opposed to settling with a third and 20, fourth and 20 after the penalty. It's just they really did themselves a disservice. And now we get that, the Bengals matchup, we get them going to Buffalo now. The the line at three and a half, let's talk about that because, McKenzie, maybe you recall exactly, what was the line Monday night when the, when the Bengals or when the Bills went to Cincinnati? It was steamed up on Buffalo, closed two and a half Buffalo favorite in Cincy. So Buffalo was two and a half in Cincy. Now they're three and a half at home? Downgraded. Yeah, that's cl- a clear downgrade based on the Bills' performance, which we'll get to here in a minute. Although I don't know that it should be given that you can't feel great about the Bengals' performance tonight here either. Really, there's no – there's no team when you walked out a super wild card weekend mm-hmm. that you felt as good about, uh, you know, if that you feel as good about coming out of it as you did going in besides San Francisco. Uh, and really, at halftime, you couldn't have said that about the Niners. So it was a, a wild weekend. The dogs were barking. Buffalo up to four, four and a half, by the way. Okay. That so makes more sense. People jumped in on this thing early. Can and, you just mention one more thing about this Ravens game from last sure. night? Sure. I know Lamar Jackson was unavailable to play. But did it bother you that he wasn't even at the game? Yes. Uh, and it was, it's a little weird because he's been at other games. It's not like he's, like he's post op and, you know, he, ah, oh, I can't, like DeMar Hamlin wasn't at the Bills game. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. He said, I'd love to be there. It's just not, not, not the best thing for me right now. Lamar has really no excuse not to be there. The, I mean, at a minimum, you've got a guy who, when Huntley comes off the field, he can come over with the the with the iPad, surf, or whatever, yeah. the Microsoft Excuse, Surface. Uh, sorry, don't want to offend any let's, sponsors. Listen, let's not an iPad. Uh, they can come over there with that and go over plays. It, it's like it's just another. It's like having another OC on the field with yeah. you. Or or if you didn't want to be on the sidelines because you didn't want to run the risk of you know a player running into you, be up in the booth. Yeah, there, were, there were a lot of options for Lamar Jackson. I I, I really think 
to not travel with the team and not be there. At the, I don't know. Well, the, well, the rumor is he's going to be traded. He doesn't want to be there. He's obviously mad about his money, and he's trying to get his money, and he doesn't want to help the team. He doesn't well, want to be part of the team anymore. Well, That's my perspective. Well, let's talk I would about, agree with you, Mac. I do, too. And think about his teammates, Sammy Watkins, of all people, who I feel like miss, misses half the games every year anyway. He's mm-hmm. like, I feel like he should be out there. Like at this, What? He's got. He's still dealing with a PCL. He's got no net for a contract. Like it's not like he's a guaranteed money. This. This. He is a free agent as soon as they lose. And then Mike Vick comes out of nowhere and he's saying, "Put a brace on it." It's like all these people who aren't Lamar Jackson. No, are, no, 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 You know who had a brace on it? RG three had a brace on it. Yeah. Yeah. And how, RG, how'd that work out for him long term? It didn't. And RG three. He commented on it. RG three said, "Quote: This is why." You don't just put a brace on it and play. Played with no ACL and LCL for my brothers slash team. Changed the trajectory of my career. Hindsight is twenty twenty. I didn't have the luxury of that. Lamar does. He is doing the right thing. I agree. So I, I agree completely, but I still think the dude should be there for his team. But listen, it's one thing for RG3, who's an NFL analyst, to say that. When your teammate is saying the opposite, that's a bad look for for the Ravens. That's a bad like. Uh, who who the hell is Sammy Watkins to be saying that to Lamar Jackson anyway? Like, like you know, he, he's he, this guy is hurt constantly, missing games, and he's like, oh, you just you got to be out there for your brothers. So you so know, like, tr- tremendous tweet from uh, Adam Rank from the NFL Network. He said Lamar Jackson skipping the Ravens bowl game to ready himself for free agency. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'll say this, and this is what I was saying about. Tonight, the way they lose the game, if Lamar Jackson plays that game, I think the Ravens are going on to the next round. Absolutely, uh, with the defense playing the way it is, if, if they had, you know, their their starting caliber quarterback play, this team is is on to Kansas City, uh, and I, I don't, I personally don't have any doubts about that. I mean, you, certainly there, you can make an argument the otherwise that maybe it plays out differently, but I believe the Ravens with Lamar Jackson win this football game. I think the Ravens need to consider that going into this offseason. It's been a nice game of chicken, but yeah. the truth is the Ravens don't make the playoffs if Lamar Jackson isn't there for the first nine, ten games of the season. And if he's there for the last seven, they're playing that game at home, and they they probably win it. I understand that for every team right after you lose and get eliminated and your season's over, it's a difficult time. You can't make decisions right away. You need some time to 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 digest, to decompress, and then, you know, a couple of days, maybe weeks, whatever, however long it takes, then you can start thinking about your future. But, boy, it seems like the Ravens are going to look a lot different next year right now. That's the sense that I'm getting. And I don't – I'm not saying this necessarily means that Harbaugh won't be there. I'm just – I just get the feeling watching this team – that they will look different next year. If I were John Harbaugh and management said to me, hey, we're not going to have Lamar next year, I'd check my 401k, see where I'm at. Like, oh, is it really? It, should I, is it time for me to hang it up? Because if, if I'm John Harbaugh, I'm not interested in a rebuild, especially because this rebuild in particular would be a massive overhaul of their offense. Like, they don't have high-end running backs. They don't have high-end wide receivers. Their offense was Lamar Jackson making plays happen. Mm-hmm. And if you have to reset on that, that's 
You're talking about a, a two or three year run where right, you've right. got to rebuild your roster. Uh, John Harbaugh, he's too experienced, he's too accomplished to want to deal with that. You ready for my predictions? Let's hear it. Here's my predictions, Mac. You tell me if I'm crazy. All right. And maybe this is this is what happens sometimes. Sometimes my brain just gets it moves in certain certain ways. Okay. In mysterious ways. In mysterious ways. Okay. <laughs> Lamar Jackson's not back with the Ravens next year. I don't know where he's going to land, but Lamar Jackson is not back with the Baltimore Ravens. Okay. John Harbaugh steps away. He wants to take a sabbatical, maybe a year. I don't whatever. John Harbaugh is not the coach of the Ravens anymore. Greg Roman's not the offensive coordinator of the Ravens anymore. They okay. are they are completely rebuilding next year. Giants offensive coordinator Mike Kafka gets a job as a head coach. Greg Roman becomes the offensive coordinator for the New York Giants, teams up with his old coaching partner in Wink Martindale, who's the Giants defensive coordinator. Giants sign Daniel Jones. Greg Roman is the offensive coordinator for Daniel Jones and the New York Football Giants next year. Why don't the Giants just dump Daniel Jones and, and sign, get Lamar, sign Jackson. Lamar Jackson? Because <laughs> <laughs> he's cheaper. You got, yeah, you got an opportunity here. But but for those people that like my prognostications on these things, that's what I'm calling for next year. I don't think that's a good – well, I mean, it would take a lot to get there. Uh, but also, the, here's the thing about – I think Dayball wants to have his hands all over the offense – I don't know that he wants someone coming in and, and changing the way they're using Daniel Jones in any way. And and I can't say that I blame him. I, considering, I don't think Greg Roman would change the way they're using well, Daniel Jones at all. And let's move to that game because <laughs> Daniel Jones, this was like, you could make a good case. Was this Dan- is his best game. Was Daniel Jones the best quarterback that played this weekend? Was yes. He, like, was he the best guy out there for any team? I think he was. Daniel Jones became the first player in NFL history. To have 300 passing yards, two touchdowns, and 70 or more rushing yards in a playoff game. Yeah, he was phenomenal. He wasn't just the best quarterback this weekend. That's one of the best playoff performances ever. He was phenomenal. They needed every bit of it. Uh, as Kirk Cousins is in this weird spot where Kirk Cousins played what you would consider a pretty good game. 31 of 39, 273 yards, two touchdowns. But all anyone will talk about is the throw he made in, in the, at the end down. of the game, which is the first thing I say. This is like it is the most Kirk Cousins-y yes. thing ever yeah. to have like a, a good game with great stats, and you're, you're in the game. You're right there knocking on the door, and when the moment's the biggest, you do some bonehead shit like throw the ball three yards on fourth and eight. The season on the line, and you throw a three-yard pass. Very, very odd I decision. I, I don't hate the route either. I, I do. I, Why is that route even part of because, that play? Because you're trying to create space for everybody else. So you're trying to draw def- – at least you're taking one defender away from, from the yard line to gain. So somebody has to cover Hawkinson. So right, but you're, why you're drawing a linebacker in, so you're trying to create space behind the linebacker. Let's discuss how many real playmakers the Vikings have because I would argue the answer is two. Yeah. And one of them is the one you're saying you should just use to suck linebackers in. Well, you could have done it with Dalvin Cook out of the backfield. Could have done it with a lot of guys. I want TJ Hawkinson and I want Justin Jefferson past the eight-yard marker. Mm -hmm. I want them on the other side of the first down flags. For Kirk Cousins, though, how do you not just – you're better off doing what Tyler Huntley did at the end of the game. Just chucking the ball up and hoping something happens. Because you can get a penalty. Something could happen when you throw a yard three yards short of the line to gain. You're almost never going to get that first down. 
You you need Hawkinson to break a tackle, yeah. run for five more yards. That it was just what a what a stupid bonehead brain fart that was. And just as I mean, we talked about this really all week. These two teams feel very even to me. If they play a hundred times, I think you're going to go fifty fifty on wins. This these two teams are very very similar. The Vikings had a better regular season record. I think the Vikings were a little bit luckier over the course of the year. The the Giants were a little bit better yesterday, and the Giants move on. Here's my my question for you, Scott, as the Giants guy. Who called the Giants win? You did. Mention that. Thank you. We have a decision that's going to have to be made on Daniel Jones because they did not pick up his fifth-year option. Mm-hmm. Daniel Jones is a free agent at the end of this playoff run, whenever that may be. Daniel Jones doesn't strike me as the kind of player you'd be willing to put a franchise tag on and, you know, especially an exclusive franchise tag. Like, you're not going to say, well, we're going to pay you like Patrick Mahomes this year. No. Daniel Jones has also been good at football for one year of his four-year career. So do you pay him long-term based on this one year or – do you let him walk away and let see see if someone else makes that mistake? No, Daniel Jones is the quarterback of the New York Giants, and he will be the quarterback of the New York Giants as long as Brian Dable is the head coach of the New York Giants. So this this regime now is tied to Daniel Jones, and I don't think that he gets – he's not, certainly not going to get franchise tag. You're not going to pay him $45 million next year. Okay. But, I, my my, my well, worry was this is Daniel you, Jones was going to say – I see Kyler Murray's contract. No, 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 not happening. What Daniel Jones is going to do, is, and what I would do if I was the New York Giants, is I would give him a three-year deal. A three-year deal with the team option for the fourth year. And you can pay him $100 million, $90 million for three years. I what mean, was Derek, Derek Carr's? Derek Carr got three years, $121. That's the comparison, I think. And But I wouldn't pay Daniel Jones as much as the Raiders then paid well, Derek Carr. I, I mean, just consider... Derek Carr had a lot more accomplished on paper yes. at that point. Unless, I mean, unless you get a deep playoff run here. Sure. If, sure. if Daniel if Jones Gi- is playing Gi- in the NFC Championship. If the, if the Giants beat the Eagles next week and Daniel Jones does another has another game like he did in this game, then Daniel Jones gets a five-year deal. I, well, I think at least at a minimum, Daniel Jones gets a Derek Carr contract at that yeah, point. Yeah, 3-120. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it's, and I think that'd be fair at See, that point. You know why 3-120 makes sense is because I, I always say this with contracts. It's not who you are, it's when you are. And Daniel Jones being the next quarterback to get a, a deal, even though he doesn't have the same numbers that Carr had when he signed his deal, he's now three years now and passed or two years but passed when Derek Carr got the being deal. the next guy doesn't imply that like the Giants went into this season unsure if Daniel Jones was even going to be their starter this year. Yeah, like it was like well, oh, they brought in Tyrod. We Taylor. might see if Tyrod Taylor can push him. Mm-hmm. And so it's not like Daniel Jones was. It was a given that he was going to be the guy going for. They didn't even give him a fifth-year option. So this season that he's had has really earned him some equity. But he he was in a big hole. He was going to be playing for someone else next year if he didn't have the kind of season that he had this year. So I think there's got to be some sort of an in between, paying giving him a five-year deal. Mm-hmm. And I think what you said, the three, the, the Derek Carr, maybe a little less than Derek Carr feels right to me at the moment. And I guess that tells you how important these playoff games are compared to regular season games because Daniel Jones almost missed the playoffs let's also mention that like it it wouldn't have shocked anyone if the Giants didn't make the playoffs Mm -hmm. and here we're saying yeah if he wins another game I could see him getting an extra you know five ten million a year 
these playoff games are so important. If you can prove that you can win games in the playoffs, you're so much more valuable. Daniel Jones is is one of the guys next week who has a lot to play for, a lot to play and, for. And the Giants also have to make a decision on Saquon Barkley. And that makes it even more awkward. And And this is the other thing. I was saying that last night, tweeting about Daniel Jones. I said, "What do you do with him? Do you do you sign him to a long term deal?" Uh, and people are like, "Well, you got to, you got to sign him. They're building <laughs> something here." But the the other side of that coin is, your wide receivers stink. Your offensive line is not very good. It's really hard to improve those things when you've got a quarterback making big money. Mm-hmm. The Saquon Barkley thing is interesting because I would almost I I would almost rather pay Daniel Jones a bad contract than pay a running back a bad contract. And Daniel Jones wants to be a, a top paid running back in the league. Or excuse me, Saquon Barkley does. I don't want to give any running back a second contract that's worth that much. Like you have to be a unicorn for me to want to give you that kind of money on a second deal. And Saquon Barkley's Health history yeah. is not the kind of health history that I'm like, you know what? Yep, I'm going to pay you that second deal. Big bucks running back. Well, it's 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 easy. You franchise, you franchise Saquon Barkley, you pay him $10, $11 million next year. I think that's, because a, that's a sensible if you move. look at the top running backs in the league, Christian McCaffrey gets $16 million a year. Uh, Kamara and Zeke get $15 mil. Dalvin Cook. Bad deal, Derek, bad deal. Dalvin Cook and Derrick Henry are 12-6, 12 So you get Daniel Jones, I mean, uh, Saquon Barkley, 10 or 11 Okay, like he's he's still making money. He's a top maybe top six running back in the league, top five. Well, I guess franchise would have to be top five. But um, you, you franchise him. You, you don't commit long term. But if he has a healthy season next year, like he had this year, then maybe you consider some sort of deal. But for now, it's just franchise and go one one and one as you go. Here's what I would do: I would franchise and start thinking about drafting a running back at some point. Sure. And sure. saying, hey, we- but the window right now for the Giants, this is the window. OK, uh, you, you, you have good young players. Kayvon Thibodeau proven to be an incredible draft pick. Right. You got pl- solid players on defense. The window is right now for the New York Giants. I tend to agree. Uh, I, I think that the Giants are just uh, the Giants are maybe the best example. Like The Dolphins, you can put in that conversation, too, of. No, because the Dolphins had a good coach before. What a coach can do for a team. Like, the Giants were a shit team last year. They get a new coach. Nothing else really changes, and they're a playoff team, and they're in the second round now. Like, Brian Dayball's value to this franchise is immeasurable because yeah. this, this was a team that was – they picked in the top five last year with essentially the same roster. Yeah, and, but think about the contributions. Kayvon Thibodeau, Evan Neal, and uh, Wondell Robinson, and, uh, and Daniel Bellinger – these were all draft picks from this past year yeah. that all had big time contributions. Right, but season. all of them missed big chunks of the sure, season, if sure. I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I, I don't. I mean, do you really think those guys are the difference, or do you think Brian Dayball is a difference? No, I think Brian Dayball is clearly the difference. Okay. I'm trying to say that this that the, the the window is now for the New York Giants. It's for the next couple of years. Yeah. for the and, New York Giants. It's not like they they, they can't just uh, they can't afford to push it for a couple of more years. This this window is right now. For the next, I don't know, four seasons, this is their opportunity. And let's put a pin in this Brian Dayball conversation because I want to relate it to another team a little bit down the road. Uh, first, though, let's look at this Buffalo-Miami game, a game that it looked like was going to be a, a walkover game 
uh, for Buffalo. Two times it looked like it was going to be yeah. a walk in the park. Early in the game, you thought, "Uh-oh, this is they're gonna they're gonna steamroll this team, right?" It was they they jump out to the to the lead. What was it, seventeen nothing? Yep, seventeen nothing. And you just think this game is this game is over. And then Miami chips away. Miami actually, you know, makes it uh, a tie game. And then in the second half, it's thirty four twenty four going into the fourth quarter. And I'm thinking, all right, here's this, here's where it is. All right, Buffalo, they, you know, they had the 17-point lead. They lost it. Now they have a 10-point lead. It's going to be back up to a 17-point lead. Two separate times in that game, I thought that it was going to be a runaway Buffalo Bills win and cover. The difference was Josh Allen kept giving the ball away to the other team. Yeah, and the the first interception was really an, an amazing defensive play. And it was on uh, John Brown stopped his route. John Brown probably scores a touchdown there, but he stops his route and then tries to take off again. It's a pick that goes back for good yardage the other way. The second pick bounces off Cole Beasley's chest. Yeah. I could you can make an argument for pass interference on that play or defensive holding. Um, but it's a it's it's an interception either way. Although uh, Gene Steratore did explain that once the 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 once the ball is in the air, there's no uh there's no hold. Holding has to be prior to the pass. Then it should have been pass interference. If he's holding him when but, the ball's in the air. There wasn't enough for pass interference there. If you're holding a guy's jersey when the ball's Ooh, in the air. Jim, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Stop it, Tony. Uh, but And then the third turnover, obviously, the, he gets sacked, uh, and it gets scooped and scored for a touchdown. Maybe you are. I mean, that one's certainly on him, although that's poor coverage or poor protection for mm-hmm. him. Here's my question. The the turnovers have piled up rapidly for Josh Allen. Yeah. And really, it started when he injured his elbow. I'm not looking to make excuses for Josh Allen. I feel like if you're out there, you're healthy enough to play, mm-hmm. you got to not give the ball away to the other team, particularly in the red zone. It, does take this- a, it takes a lot of chances. He's starting to become the gunslinger that, you know, Brett Favre was. And... Sometimes you just with like with Favre, you just have to live with the bad. You 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 take the bad because the good is so good. I get that, that. with Josh Allen, it's like I'm good. You're gonna have to live with these turnovers because he's going to make more incredible plays than bad plays. But I thought I saw a stat, McKenzie, and tell me if you have this that he has the most turnover worthy plays. He's second behind Geno Smith. Okay, this season and our pregame EPA model has Bills fourth, lower than most. I think it's because they have a high percentage of plays that should be turnovers. If you're saying it's all luck, then you know, maybe they're the best team in the league. If you're saying there's a consistent pattern, maybe they're the fourth best team in the league. And that's, I, I think, honestly, I'd look more at those two picks that he threw today as bad luck if he hadn't established this pattern right. over the course of the mm-hmm. season. If, if Josh Allen was the Josh Allen of two years ago that just wasn't giving the ball to the other team and he did this, I'd be like, oh, man, that's just a bummer. That's a, that's a bad break. But Josh Allen in the second half of the season – has been a turnover guy, yeah. and it's it's gotten to a point where it's like, sure, does it look like it should it's it's a play that should have been made? Yes, but when it keeps happening over and over again, at some point, I'm less less apt to believe that it's just bad luck. I'll say this for the Buffalo game as well. I think the Bills got very fortunate with the officiating. I think officiating stuck their foot or into uh, into places it shouldn't have been. Stuck their threw flags when they shouldn't have. 
a lot they this also weekend. Swallowed flags yep. where, where they shouldn't have. And I that's know there was 1% got. chance for the Dolphins to win, but that spot at the end, the very last play, that was a that was a fourth down and one. I don't I've seen it yeah. 15 times on replay. That was not a conversion. That was not a first down. No. <laughs> I, I don't I don't believe it was either. I now I will say when I looked at the replay, it's like, well, I guess if you call it that on the field, but when do you ever call that on the field? Right, right. When you no measurement, first down. Wait, wait. wait. Can we just, can we just talk about this for a moment here? Because Next Gen Stats tweeted something out during the Ravens game that said, "Quote: How close was Tyler Huntley to crossing the plane with the football? Meaning on that fumble." Mm-hmm. According to the chip in the football, the closest the ball got to the end zone was 0.6 yards away from the goal line. I'm sorry. Let me go back and read that. Okay. <laughs> According to the chip in the football, the closest the ball got to the end zone was 0.6 yards from the goal line. You mean to tell me. Don't get worked up. That I am getting worked up. Yeah, you mean you to tell it. me that there's a chip in the football that can tell us in as close to certainty that a ball was 0.6 yards away from the goal line, yet we're still using camera angles. <laughs> yeah. Pylon and, and, cams. And, a guy holding a stick. Refs in New York and a guy looking at a Microsoft Surface tablet <laughs> to determine if it's a first down or not. And that's the other thing. On that on that play, the the uh the Bills play the first down, the television yellow line was a good foot off where the marker was. It's like, how are we supposed to tell where anything is? Like, I get that it's not perfect every time, but don't aren't we at the technology level now where you can get that yellow line pretty damn close? It feels like it should be better than that. Either way, they it, they next gen stats told us the ball was 0.6 yards away from the goal line. Not official though. And tell us it was a first down or not. And I again, I, I'm a Bills fan. The Bills got very, very fortunate with officiating in this game. Uh, and it's it's almost impossible to look at the stats for this game and understand how it was competitive. This was one of those games. It reminds me of last year when I told RJ when the, when the Steelers right. beat the Bills. And I was like, that's a bad final. Like, the, the Bills dominated them statistically. And, yeah, the Steelers won the game, but they had no business winning the game. <laughs> had the Dolphins won this game, I, I would have I given up believing in numbers. <laughs> I mean, they almost doubled them up in yards. Uh, and, I mean, I guess that's what happens when you've got, like, a scoop and score touchdown. That It, it, it gives you points without adding yards to your, uh, to your total. But... I mean, in every stat, it was just pure domination. Yards per play, 5.9 to 3.3. Skylar Thompson was every bit as bummy as I expected him to be. I don't think he was that bummy because there was a, there was 18 a lot. for 45 but it, but but okay it looks a lot worse than it was and obviously as the game progressed it, it got a lot worse but in that first half and there was there was a lot of drop balls there were plays that his receivers could have made and should have made including the Jalen Waddle play that that play leads to where, points where Jalen Waddle Hurt his arm after he didn't make the catch. That play, like, <laughs> oh my arm! Like, like, McKenzie. why did you catch up on my arm? Ah! Don't we don't don't can't, don't we have the stats that say like you know what what like how many points they should have gotten or whatever on that on that if he catches that ball like that play leads to points and instead they don't get anything. Those are game changing catches that. Uh, a guy as good as Waddle, forget about a guy as good as Waddle. Any NFL wide receiver has to make that catch, 
and it looked bad on on Skyward Thompson, but I thought that he made some really good throws. I, I understand, look, you didn't expect to win this game with your third-string quarterback, but he could have won that game. You and I saw the game differently. I, I thought that he was of terrible. Of course we did, because you're Josh Allen, rose-colored glasses, but Bills guy. Josh Allen was terrible uh, in this game. Uh, Josh Allen got sacked, I don't, I don't even know how many, seven, eight times in this game. Uh, this was a bad quarterback game. and can, can I just acknowledge something that happened in this game, though, as far as my disappointment? Go ahead. So I decided to have a little fun this weekend. Oh, First of all, oh, the, the, the minute I say that, you know, I'm gonna have fat. This is Fezzik going flipping out at me. How are you having fun? What yeah. moronic bet did you make that you thought would be fun, and now you lost it, and you realize it wasn't fun? Yeah, I, I, I decided to have some fun and did a touchdown parlay. You know, a player to score a touchdown. Figured, why not? Picked one player from each game. Figured, let's go. Let's, let's have a little Got fun. Got some action. Got some skin in the Got game. Got some skin in the game. I mean, I had my 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 big my my main bet was the the teaser that I gave out at pregame.com. That one. So I was happy not the about Dumbo that. teaser. No, the Dumbo's oh, a dumb, Dumbo. <laughs> the Dumbo's fun. Dumbo, Dumbo. That's fine. Like you know, you that's free. <laughs> yeah, that's free. And you know, and listen, we you only risk a couple of bucks on those things. Okay. You know, not like a full unit bet. So I decided to put in a touchdown parlay. One player from each game: Christian McCaffrey, easy, easy. Austin Eckler, yeah, easy. Saquon Barkley, mm-hmm. easy. Got two of them. Jamar, Jamar Chase, Chase. Yep. easy. Stefan Diggs, out of bounds. <laughs> could have gone Gabe Davis. Could have gone, gone Dawson Knox. Knox. Could have gone Cole Beasley even. I know. Why, honestly, after the pick, I thought they were going to pull Cole Beasley off the field and never let him back out Did there. Did you see, though, after Diggs made that catch and was out of bounds, the defender, like, like gave him props for the catch? I mean, it was, <laughs> it was insane. It was unbelievable. <laughs> it just wasn't a real catch. And, like, Sean McDermott's like, Review it. Like, well, review, look at it. Review it. Listen, I'll be honest, and I saw what the fans in Buffalo saw. The first replay that they showed was just the feet. And the feet were in. And I said, oh, my God, he got both feet in. Yeah, because he did. That's he, the most unbelievable catch I've ever he seen. He did get both feet in, but they, what they were saying on the broadcast was. The ball was moving. He, not the ball that was moving, but he caught it with one hand, and he didn't bring it in and secure it until the first yeah. foot was off the ground. So, yes, the ball touched his hand. But it wasn't a catch foot, yet. But it wasn't a completed catch yet. By the way, there was a lot of, like, overturned catches, catches, like, yeah. catch calls this whole weekend. But that was one that was uh, – it was fun. It was uh, fun while it lasted. My, 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 my best bet of the day, though, I gave it out at pregame as well, was Daniel Jones' longest run over 13 and a half. His first run of the game got 15 That's yards. always nice. When, <laughs> yeah. I, that was my – in the national championship yeah. game, Stetson Bennett over rushing yards. Yeah. Very first run. Yep. We're but good. That's that, a winner. These, these are the bets that we talked about, though, on this podcast and on the, and on the Dream Pod as well, but especially on this podcast where we talked about um, – Daniel Jones' longest rush. Remember, we went through his whole stats and and how many times he went over the 13 and a half yards. Yeah, we had some fun with these. Purdy went over. Herbert went over. It might have been everyone but Josh Allen. Went o- every quarterback went over. Went over their rushing yards. yards. Yeah, that's what happens in the playoffs. Though these quarterbacks the take take matters into their own hands, and when the play breaks down, they take off and run. Well, let's get to Justin Herbert and this this Chargers. Are you okay? I'm. I'll be okay. Are you sure? Yeah. And this is a uh, because me losing that touchdown parlay made me feel like you. This it, I really felt like I got punched in the dick <laughs> Saturday night because I was getting. I mean, I I couldn't even tell you how many tweets I was getting about. Oh, 
you're going to have to rub this in RJ's face. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, everybody's tagging Crossfire. RJ. Everybody's tagging RJ. You get what you get for being an asshole. Here it is. Now it's served up to you, RJ. Nope. Uh, didn't work out that way for your boy, AJ. Listen, I took— And at the I end, took, it's like— I took a lot of heat on Twitter because I tweeted out that the, the game was over because the Bengals— <laughs> I mean, the, the Jaguars— and I said it on Twitter. I said their body language was just terrible. After they went down 27 nothing. They, they all looked like they quit. Prior to this weekend, teams with a five-plus turnover margin, 26-0. Now, 26-1. 26-1. Oh, my goodness. And this, first of all, I don't want to say that none of this is on Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert didn't have his best game, certainly. I'm not putting any of it on him. Uh... I will. I, I he'll take some. I, a, a forty-six QBR in a playoff game. That's not what we're looking for, Herbie. Here's what I will say. Brandon Staley is a dope, and if you if what I said about the Giants, they hire Brian Dayball. Their their window is now. You get this great coach. You've got great players. Your window's not. It, it's not infinite. You've got to make something happen. The Chargers have a top-five quarterback on a rookie deal. They have an outstanding secondary, a great a great pass defense, great pass rush, two great wide receivers when one of them doesn't have a broken back, and an excellent running back. Your window is now. So you disagree when he says, the coach, this is a big step for us. We took a big step this year. No. No? <laughs> you did not. Kind of expected. Ten wins, make the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, they should have had more than ten wins. They were yeah. disappointing early in the season. Now, and I, I gave him, I gave him some slack because I was like, you know, he's been dealing with a lot of injuries, and he did. But then, what am I going to give him slack for? Mike Williams having a broken back in the playoff game? No, because Mike Williams shouldn't have been in the game last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, your, your two receivers that have been hurt all season shouldn't be playing in a game when you've got the playoff spot that you're that you've locked up. Locked up. Giants did it right. Brandon Staley, though, th- there's two mistakes he made that are, to me, unforgivable. Y- this was a game that you led 27 to 0. 27 to 0. Or was it 24 to 0? 27 to 0. 27 0. Yet somehow, you threw 43 passes and had 23 runs. Me and a bunch of other media guys absolutely buried Kyle Shanahan when the Falcons blew that Super Bowl to the Patriots because it's like you call one more run play and you win the game. At some point, Brandon Staley has to look and say, I've got a 27-0 lead. I should maybe run some clock here. Here's, here's the, to me, couple of moments, obviously, that changed the game. Uh, and I, this is why I can't really blame Justin Herbert. First moment, well, first let's we can just we can easily look at the the Dicker missed field goal. Yeah, and that's say, tough. And say if he makes that field goal, it's thirty three to twenty. It's, but you it's know a completely what? Different game. He is a rookie undrafted. I get it. I, get it. I understand know, that. I understand that's been that. kicked around the league and like finally missed a field goal. I, I, I'll I, cut him some slack. I get it. Okay, I get it. Here's to me where the game changed. On the first possession of the second half. The Chargers drive the ball all the way down to the 38-yard line. And first down, incomplete. Second down, incomplete. Third down, incomplete. Fourth down, punt. How much time off the clock in that in that run? Uh, two minutes and 32 seconds. It was the first play of the second half. They're up 27-7. 
The 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 fourth well, down decision. What I'm saying says, is how much time came off the clock in that series? Two minutes and thirty two seconds on three incompletes and a punt. That's impossible. Oh, on uh, the whole oh, drive. Oh, oh, on the whole drive. On that series, they went from. 12 minutes and 49 seconds to 12 minutes and 35 seconds. So 14 seconds. Yeah. On, a- on three plays. Now, <laughs> now, the fourth down decision bot says that punting from the Jacksonville 38-yard line is a toss-up. That you can go for it. You can. It, it, it doesn't really affect your winning percentage what, either way. It's kind it's of— It's fourth and 10? Yes. That is That was a completely mismanaged end of that possession. If you gain five yards— You can go for it. Or you can kick a field goal. You mean if you run the ball once? Any not play, only do you yeah. gain four or five yards, you also kill thirty seconds off the yes. clock. But but being up thirty to seven is a completely different game. That that drive right there, the decisions right there, when you had the ball on the thirty-eight yard line and you walk away with zero points, and then Jacksonville I, marches. Jacksonville from that moment on. Every time they touched the ball, they scored a touchdown and then the field goal at the end. I think we have to really ask ourselves if all the heat that Brandon Staley got last year is now factoring into his decision making. Like is is he did he get so much heat for being overly aggressive that now he's like he's scared? He's scared that if he makes a call and it doesn't work, that people are going to give him grief about it. Like Nathaniel Hackett earlier in the year when he made one decision and then changed the way he coached the following week. Hired someone to make coaches. Hired someone to make decisions for him. I think think so. I think he goes for it, especially at the end of the game when he has the ball up two. You can close the game out. The game's over if you get a first This is the most egregious thing to me that Brandon Staley did. Being the head coach? No. (laughs) Fourth down... They were at the 30, was it fourth and five? And they are up two. And they're, they're Third, it's 30 28. There's three minutes and 21 seconds. And on like the clock. you just mentioned, the Jaguars have scored every time they yes. got the ball. Every time they got You the ball. are at your own 30. Yeah. And I know the thought would be well, you can't go for it there because now you're just giving them the win if you don't make it. And I agree with that. But here's why you should have gone for it. There were three minutes and something left. What? Uh, and the bots say that it was the right move to punt, right, McKenzie? It does. It was a very close call, but it, fourth down bots had a slightly good job to punt. I disagree tremendously with this bot in this case because— And I was talking about the feel of the game. It's agnostic to the fact that Jaguars kept scoring every time they had the ball. Yes. I, I so, felt like when they, when they punted this ball uh-huh. away— they were never going to see the ball again, which they didn't. Well, they only had one timeout and the two-minute warning. That's it. Stop right. the clock. Here's why you go for it there. If you don't get it, mm-hmm. and the Jags take over at the 30-yard line, that it's not going to take them three minutes to kick that field goal. Right. They're going to kick a field goal as soon as they get to fourth down. They're going to take a one-point lead, yeah, the reason- and you're going to get the ball back with yeah. freaking Justin Herbert and have a chance to do something. You cannot build your team around quarterbacks and then be scared to use them in the biggest moments. Yeah, and I, I would agree because you're right. Because if 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 you're if they get the ball at the 30 yard line, they're already in field goal range. So you know that they're not going to. They're going to take a couple of shots at the end zone, and all you need is one incomplete pass that stops the clock. Now you have a timeout, a two minute warning, maybe an incompletion. If you want to say that Jacksonville is just going to run the ball because they're in field goal range, all right. So let's let's start the clock with with three minutes and twenty one seconds left. Well, let's say after the punt play or whatever. So three minutes left in the game. All right, we're we're going to round down, running play forty seconds. 
That's another play now, another running play. Now you have the two-minute warning, and maybe it's third down. And you have a timeout. And you have a timeout. And, and, and even if they score and a the touchdown, Jags aren't playing, have the Jags time. aren't playing free and loose like they were because they're right. already in field goal range. They're not going to take these unnecessary risks yeah. that they've got to take to get it across the midfield. Like, but the, 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 there could be a scenario though if Jacksonville plays it the right way, and let's say they do get two first downs, the Chargers don't see the ball again. Okay, but the, I mean, were you going to see it anyway? Is the question? No. If you, I, I don't it, think so. Yeah, that, so but, give yourself but, a chance. But you have a fifty percent chance to convert. You have yeah. like the when I say, who do you want the game to be? Whose shoulders do you want it to be on? Justin Herbert or your defense? Yes, Justin Herbert. Now, if this game were a 14-12 game, if it's that kind of a two point lead, yeah. you feel like, oh man, my defense is dominating. No, I'm going to give them a chance. But like the if it were the Ravens that, tonight, the I would rather had the the Ravens D on the field yeah. than than have uh, Tyler Huntley. I get that. You have freaking Justin Herbert. And these were the drives in the second half of the Jacksonville Jaguars. 14 plays, 89 yards, touchdown. Five plays, 68 yards, touchdown. Nine plays, 70 yards, touchdown. They weren't stopping them. This is a great example. If the 49ers had a two-point lead on the the Seahawks in that game, you probably feel okay they punt the ball away, and you've got, like, the best defense in the league, and you say, okay, go ahead, Geno Smith, you beat us. Mm-hmm. I don't feel that way about the Chargers. Like I because the 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 option for the 49ers would be, well, we've got a rookie quarterback, seventh round rookie. Do we want do we want the game in his hands or do we want the game in our world class defense's hands? You want it in your defense's hands. On this side, you have a world class quarterback. You're going to give it a year from now, you're going to give him all the money. All of it. It's mm-hmm. like he's gonna have all the money. He'll probably be the highest paid quarterback in the league in a year. And you're like, Nah, let's punt it. You think Staley survives this? Absolutely not. I don't think he does. I know, you no. know what? I said after the uh, when they when they clinched their playoff spot, and Brandon Staley was in the locker room. He's like, I've been I've been wanting to give this game ball out mm-hmm. for a long time, and he gave it to the owner, and he said, None of us are here without <laughs> you. And wow, that's, Dean that's Spanos takes the ball. He's just like, Oh, thank <laughs> you. You finally brought us to the promised land. I was like, They can't fire him now. He made the playoffs. But I, I honestly think they've got to. They have to find a competent coach. And the Chargers aren't a big bank team. They're not spending all this money. Um, I would, I'd love Scott to be right and for them to go give Sean Payton whatever he wants. It's happening. It's the best job available. It's, it's happening. Available. It's I, happening. I, I mean, it's the best he's job got, available because you've got, got Justin court, Herbert. You got the, and you got the quarterback. you got the team. Everything is there at your disposal. You don't even need the first-round draft pick, which is going to be like the 22nd or 23rd pick, whatever it is. You don't need it because you you, you have the piece. This is a win-now team. And Sean Payton comes in. (laughs) This is a win-in-2022 team that didn't win in 2022. That's why you're fired. Yes. Sean Sean Payton comes in, and this is a Super Bowl. This is a legit Super Bowl contender, one of the favorites to win the Super Bowl next year. Let's talk about the other side of this. And I mean, I guess Jacksonville did play in this game. Uh, What do we make? They're going to get they're going to get steamrolled next week. And and that's what that's what bothers me the most about this is I felt like the Chargers. I mean, we've seen it twice this year. The Chargers match up well with the Chiefs. Yes, they do. The Chargers would have given the Chiefs a hell of a game. And what have we seen this whole weekend? It is hard when you play a team a third time. 
We saw it with Miami Buffalo. We saw it with the the Baltimore and Cincy game. We when saw you, it with Seattle, San Francisco. No, 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 not always. Yeah, yeah. but but first half, the first yeah. half certainly. But it's it's tough when you, you know a team so well, and, and the Chiefs and Chargers for a third time this year, for a sixth time in the last, or no, for a fifth time in the last two years. I mean, that's a lot of games against each other. What do we make of Trevor Lawrence? Like, do we do we? Or is this game? I mean, it feels like this game won't be remembered awful for taste, him throwing awful four picks. Taste in post game celebrations. Waffle, waffle House. Ha- <laughs> oh, you don't like Waffle House? It's not where I'm going. If I'm an NFL quarterback and I won my first ever playoff, you're game. not a man of the people. That's why you like. Are you Waffle man, House guy? Man, I saw him walk in. He didn't shake any hands. I've never been to Waffle. I like waffles. I like waffles and chicken with some syrup. Have but, you ever uh, been to waffle, waffle House? One time. Where Where were you at? Oh, probably driving down the 95 somewhere. I uh, I know you, if you if you grew up in the north, you probably haven't had Waffle House. I when I was in college, my apartment in Nashville, I could sit on my patio on my apartment on, on the uh, the deck and see two Waffle Houses because <laughs> I lived right off the highway, and there was one, one on, each side on the, the northeast corner yeah. and one on the southwest corner of the highway, a Waffle House in either direction, very big in the south. Trevor Lawrence, a southern man, he wanted to go celebrate with his people at Waffle House. Fine. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, maybe get like a fat steak or something. Or... You can get a steak at Waffle House. Sure. It's, it's, not, exactly it's, not, Mor- it's not exactly Morton's. It, no, it's not. It's not. It's not uh, USDA Prime. It's not Luger's. It'll, you know, where are you going in Jacksonville? I mean, it's... I feel like we've got to upgrade Lawrence from a football perspective, though. you got a big monkey off your back. You can never say you're a choker now. You have a playoff win. A lot of people don't. Yeah. The, I mean, the big game thing is, is off of him, it feels like. And... It, it really could have multiplied times 50 right. had things held the way it looked like they were going to hold. I guess my question is, if there is a question, this is certainly more of a Chargers loss than a Jags win, right? I, I would say so. I mean, they did score 31 points in the second half or in the last 50, second half plus one drive. I think we have to acknowledge something here. All right. And maybe maybe this means the Jaguars are going to win. Next week. Some money coming in on them. What's the number at? Eight and a half. Okay. We have up nine and a half. This might be what tells us what happens here and, and why the Jaguars will win. Do you realize that Trevor Lawrence has never lost a game on a Saturday? <laughs> National championship game was on Monday? I'm always on, always Monday, on a yeah. Monday. In high school, he was 3-0 and on Saturdays. In college, he went 32-0 and on Saturdays. 1-0 and in the NFL on Saturdays. He has never lost a game. On a Saturday. Actually, now 2-0 and on Saturdays because the one was the Titans game the week before. He has ne- He's never lost a game <laughs> on a Saturday. How do you bet against that trend? You tease it. <laughs> Saturdays are for the boys, they say. So maybe that's, the, uh, maybe that's what it boils down to. All right, one last game. And again, not much to say about this. The 49ers and the Seahawks, this was, you know, I, I'll give them credit. Seattle fought hard for a half. Uh, they actually looked better than I would have could have even possibly expected them to. But this has been this game was a microcosm of the of the Seahawks season. Start really strong, and then by the end of the game, you realize we just don't have that good of football players on this team, and things fall apart. Uh, 49ers 41, Seahawks 23, outscore them 25 to six in the second half. And this game wasn't all about the defense, although the defense played really well. It wasn't all about the dominant running game, although it was pretty freaking dominant. 
this was a Brock Purdy coming out party. And it, in what's funny is when we were talking earlier about was there a quarterback that played better than Daniel Jones this weekend? The only guy I was even willing to put in the conversation was Brock Purdy. And that's on a weekend where Yeah, but he didn't run for 78 yards and a <laughs> touchdown, okay? That's he ran for a touchdown. He did run for a touchdown. <laughs> that's on a weekend where Joe Burrow, uh, Josh Allen, and Justin Herbert all played. And the two best guys were Brock Purdy and Daniel Jones. If Brock Purdy, and I'm, I don't think Brock Purdy will do this every week in the playoffs. I, I think that's asking too much. But there's you can't look at Brock Purdy and say they're being they're candling with kid gloves. They're they're just hoping he doesn't screw things up. You don't let a guy throw the ball thirty times in a game if you're scared of him screwing up. Yeah. the The training wheels are off Brock Purdy. They trust Brock Purdy. I think now if Jimmy Garoppolo walked through the door and said, "Hey, I'm good, coach." I think the decision would be play Brock Purdy at this point. And, and they had this, uh, Jay Glazer from Fox had this right before the game. Garoppolo is officially the backup for the 49ers. He's uh, you know, preparing to be on the roster later in the playoffs. Okay, so are you but not this week he wasn't. No, right. But you're saying are, like will it be will that be the case this this weekend's game? Yes, I think he will be healthy enough to be on the on the on the bench. Yes. Then I mean that says everything you need to know. Kyle Shanahan trusts this guy and I I can't say at this point I can blame him. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guy's done nothing but do everything you ask him to do. And I know. Jimmy I know. Garoppolo in seven career playoff games for the 49ers, four touchdowns. Brock Purdy, one game, four touchdowns. Yeah, unbelievable. You know, I, I know it's the it's a regular season award, and playoffs don't come into uh, account, and the ballots are already handed in. But I mean, Brock Purdy, he's not going to win the award because he only played five games, but he's the offensive rookie of the year. It's not even close. If this guy, if this guy played one more game, maybe two more games, it would, he would be a runaway for this this yeah. award. But there's no, there's, I, you know, Kenneth Walker had an incredible season. Look at what Brock Purdy has done with this team. And I understand better team, better team, better team. He's the quarterback. He's the most yeah. important player on the field. The fact and, that and I gave the ranks out last week. He ranks first in almost every statistical category. The fact since that he became the quarterback. Not only have the 49ers not fallen off. Since he's taken they've over, they've gotten better. They've gotten better. That's all you need to hear. Mackenzie, what's their, their their points per game since Brock Purdy became quarterback? Because they scored forty one this past week, but wasn't it like thirty something, thirty six or? They've scored thirty in every game but one since he's. Been <laughs> so, and that game, they kneeled down at the one, and they had a, a pick six taken off the board. So they they were really averaging like thirty five a game. With a, it's amazing. It's unreal. A lot of my Twitter is people from Houston, Houston Texans uh, media, and things like that. And there was a rumor kicked around that the Texans are hoping to offer the second pick in round two of this year's draft to the 49ers for Trey Lance. And it's a massive, massive, like, it's it's selling your house at the bottom of the market, but is it the worst thing for the 49ers to take that and and have any idea that and then what you just got you got to sign a veteran backup yeah. backup Purdy yeah sign a veteran I mean that's it, not you know or I mean hell I mean I would say signing a veteran smarter for a team that's built like this team mm-hmm. but yeah and then it, it could be didn't have to be a great it could be Baker Mayfield like yeah. si- sign a dude who's just just a backup Purdy who's had some starts in the league Wait, the Texans are offering what the second pick in the draft second pick of the second round oh the second round okay, so the, their sense. first second round pick. It's, it's, it's nice to have a $6 million quarterback that you think has a future. He's still younger than Brock Purdy. 
So since week 13 when he started, Brock Purdy, where he came in, alpha injury, 7-0, 6-1 straight up ATS, 34.6 points per game. I think he's the starter next year. Here's the question, and, I, you and you're right. You know he's the starter next I, I, Yeah, I think so. But like, you're right. It's nice to have a backup with those with those skills. But when you have Brock Purdy as your starter. And you, you gave up assets for Trey Lance, and you gave up assets for Christian McCaffrey, you can now get back. An asset, yeah. For Trey Lance? And don't you prefer to? Don't you have, don't you prefer to have a, a backup quarterback who's got more experience than Trey Lance? I don't know. Um, who had this? David Lombardi, athletic reporter for the 49ers, said 49ers like to think of quarterbacks like running backs. Like they like to have a stable that can come in. Sure. So, um, yeah. I mean, you. I think you'd rather have the best available quarterback, regardless of age. Okay. I don't know about you, but if if I get into a situation, I'm putting Christian McCaffrey at quarterback. He's not a bad call. Just let him run the One for offense. one on the season, yeah. touchdown, 158.3 <laughs> passer rate. But it's funny, and I, RJ gave you so much grief about the, the Trey Lance, uh, the, the trade, and, and, and if you look at it, Trey Lance, for these draft picks, he's not going to be the starter. Yeah, it's a terrible trade. But if you look at it, the 49ers gave up these picks, and they've got their their quarterback of the future. It, you feel pretty good about it. <laughs> and let's say they don't do that trade, you probably don't draft Brock Purdy. You probably draft like a third or fourth round quarterback. Right. Yeah. And, you know, you take shots. You get lottery tickets. Sometimes you scratch. And, and think about the money that they're going to be saving over the next couple of years with with having, uh, uh, you know, not paying Trey Lance's salary, and instead you're paying Brock Purdy's salary. Here's some of the here's the quarterbacks that are on the market in 2023. Baker, as you mentioned, I'm not counting Tom Brady, by the way. Okay. Baker, as you Although, mentioned. Well, now he wouldn't be a backup. No. He'd never take a we're backup. Talking, we're, we're talking <laughs> okay. backup, no, 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 no. backups. Okay. Baker, Sam Darnold. No. Teddy Bridgewater. No. Case Keenum. Mm. Mason Rudolph. Jacoby Brissett. Yes. Okay. Jacoby, that's probably the best yeah. backup. Right? Yes. You could bring back C.J. Beathard. Well, you'd, rather, you'd rather have Jacoby Brissett as your backup for this team than Trey Lance, right? Yeah. I mean, McKen- McKenzie. Can I mean, Jacoby Brissett's yeah. pro- a proven – for one, for one season, there's no question. Yeah, he so was, uh, in our quarterback composite, he was a top ten quarterback. Season. Yeah, I, I think that's I, a, that's you can a bring move. back CJ Beathard. But the problem is, <laughs> Jacoby Brissett probably did enough that someone's going to want to hire hire him to be their starter to compete. Probably. Yeah. yeah. Either way, the 49ers are in a great situation. They've got a guy that they drafted in the seventh round, who looks like found money. It's like if you buy if you buy invest a bunch of money in Enron stock, and it absolutely goes into the shitter. That's terrible. Unless you had a whole bunch of money in uh, GameStop when it shot to the moon, and you're like, "Oh, hey, look at me! I came up anyway." <laughs> like, sometimes it just works that way. And Brock Purdy is GameStop, and he, I mean, what do hedge funds do? They invest millions of dollars into twenty companies, hoping one will work. And Brock Purdy worked. So I'll say it again. I'm going to say this every show until they're eliminated. Venture capital in it. Anyway. The 49ers are the best team in the NFC, and quarterback. I, with quarterback, without, I don't care. This is the best football team in the NFC. They are better than the Philadelphia Eagles. The 49ers are going to play in the Super Bowl. It's that is, well, it's going to be incredible when you know the 49ers are hosting the Giants in the NFC Championship game. <laughs> that's going to be that's going to be some game. Oh, I can't. You guys are going to have to fight about this. I can't wait. <laughs> and then McKenzie and I will have to fight when the Bills and the 49ers play in the Super Bowl. It's a terrible thing that we've got going here. All right. So there you go. That was. At least the first five games of super mega duper wild card. <laughs> Underdogs four and one against the spread. Totals four and one to the over for the first five games. The so, only under the Baltimore Cincy game. And the only favorite to win was the aforementioned 49ers. 
We have one game tonight to finish wild card, super wild card weekend. The Cowboys and the Bucks. And where are we at with the spread right now, McKenzie? Stuck at 2.7, right between three and two and a half. Are there threes out there? There are threes at minus 220, or excuse me, minus 120, uh, a little over minus 120 that you can get. So, well, that's worth it. Yeah, I mean, if you if you like the Cowboys, it's certainly worth it. Um, no, I mean, if you like the the Bucks. Plus oh yeah, three, so if yeah. you're yeah. betting you like the Bucks, the Bucks that plus three is better than a two and a half even money. Yeah, yes. absolutely. So if you can find a three at minus one twenty and you like the Bucks, that that that's your play right there. Although, like I felt about the Giants, I think Tampa wins this game outright. I really do. I, I think that when you look at the Cowboys, and, and I said it on the Dream Pod, so I'll repeat my thoughts here on, on how they've played over the last five games. No, this has nothing to do with grass versus turf. Their defense over the last five games has allowed 27.2 points per game. And you go back to all of their performances, okay? The week 18, terrible against the Commanders. All right, you want to throw that one away? You want to say that they mailed it in because the season didn't matter? Whatever. Week 17, they eventually pulled ahead, but that was a much tougher game against the Titans than it should have been. And that was a no Ryan Tannehill, Tennessee Titans. Yeah. They, they, How much are they allowing per game? Last 27.2. That is exactly the worst in the NFL. Chicago Bears, 27.2 on the season. So they're playing like, like the, the worst, worst defense in the league. In week 16, Eagles with Gardner Minshew, they outlast. Week 15, blow a 27-10 lead to the Jaguars. Boy, the Jaguars like coming back, huh? And then lose in overtime. And then week 14, you, you, you get pushed to the brink by the Houston Texans. The, the Cowboys over the last five weeks have not looked like a, a cal, an NFL caliber team that should be laying a field goal on the road in the playoffs. Here's my, and I agree with everything you just said there. And I was actually leaning towards playing the bucks because of that. But if you look at what the bucks have done over that same stretch, yeah, their they defense stink. has I been know. horrendous. I know they stink. They've stunk all year. And it's Brock Purdy in his first NFL start. Joe Burrow, Trace McSorley in his first NFL start, Sam Darnold, and Desmond Ritter making these te- these Bucks look bad. Like, I why aren't we playing the over? If all these teams are letting they're letting all these bad quarterbacks shit on their well, defense, maybe that's the play. yeah, maybe. Why are why are we sitting here arguing over well, which defense is worse? Who cares? <laughs> Let Dak and Brady both go up and down the field on these crumb bum defenses. Forty five and a half is the total. So maybe that's the play. I think that's the play in this game. We I, go over. I, it, I feel a lot better Dumbo about that. Teaser. <laughs> Dumbo teaser. I feel bucks. And the over. I feel better. Well, it is it is a uh, a weekday primetime game. It <laughs> seems like the move. I do feel like because I don't want to back either one of these teams based on how their defense played down the stretch. I, I don't understand why I haven't gotten to that until today. Mm. But it feels like the over is the way to go here. The the way that Tom Brady played when their season was on the line against the Carolina Panthers makes me not want to bet against him in this game. Because I know, yes, it was the Carolina Panthers, whatever. That was a pretty much a winner go home moment, right? Yep. The season was on the line. And Tom Brady said, guys, stop messing around, stay out of my way, and I'm going to do my thing. And, and it he, wasn't just a good game. Statistically, it was by far it was his, his best, best game. Yeah. season. Yes. 432 yards and three touchdowns, and him connecting with Mike Evans on those deep shots, unguardable. Here's the reality, though. 
how many great quarterbacks ever do we see walk off the field after a big game, head held high, we just killed it. Like everybody with the exception of John Elway that I can think of has walked off the field for their last time with their head hung down. And I don't know that this is his last time, but I'm saying it could be. And it wouldn't shock me if Tom Brady walks off the field with his head hung here going, damn, what what should have been. And it's – I know it's it's been a, a, a fool's errand to try and pick when Tom Brady's going to hit the wall and just finally be done, done, done. And everybody's tried to project it going back 10 years. I feel mm-hmm. like when I started in sports radio, people – that was in 2004. People are already trying to figure out when's the end of Tom Brady coming. <laughs> and here we are in, in 2023, and somehow he's still he's still here. Um, it feels like this could be that game where Tom Brady just looks broken and done and dead. And we just say, oh, this this was our GOAT? This? <laughs> and Although, listen, Dak Prescott, four playoff games, one in three record. He's thrown six touchdowns and three yeah. interceptions. He has not been good in the playoffs. So first week of the season, let me ask you guys this. The Bucks were minus two and a half in Dallas, so they're four and a half points better. Now it's the exact opposite scenario. So now the Bucks, the Cowboys are four and a half points better. Do we think, and there's obviously been a downgrade and an upgrade for the Bucks and the Cowboys, but do we think it's nine points different from the beginning of the season? That, that leans me to the Buccaneers, just that line move. I, 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 not, you know, it, it could be because Tampa's just looked so bad all year. Tampa's been a, an objectively bad team yeah, this maybe season. Maybe they're five points worse than we thought. So that, that means the Cowboys have to be now four points better than we thought. I just can't get there. I, I especially closer than Well, me. especially given... The, what part of the Cowboys season we're in. Right. This isn't the peak Cowboys. Yeah. If yeah. the Cowboys were playing the best they played all season, I could say, oh, maybe. The the Cowboys result in week 18, I've heard people say they were, it was a meaningless game. I don't believe they went into that game feeling it was meaningless, and they got their doors blown off. By Sam Howell. I, I their mean, biggest division rival. How does that happen? How does that happen? Just not your thinking ahead. I again, I don't trust Dak. I don't trust Mike McCarthy. If you put a gun to my head and said pick a side, I'll side with Tom Brady. I don't feel good about it though cuz I think the Bucks stink. And so let's just go over. I think over's the move. Tom Brady's going to score three. Tom Brady's going to throw for three touchdowns. Dak Prescott will throw for two. They'll be we're going to get we're going to get 46 points in this game. Easy. That's all I ask. The schedule is out for the divisional round of the playoffs. The first game on Saturday, January 21st, the undefeated on Saturday, Trevor Lawrence, and the Jaguars will be at the Kansas City Chiefs. That is a 4.30 Eastern time kickoff. The spread on that game, McKenzie? Chiefs minus 8.5. And And then we go to the primetime game, 8.15 p.m. Eastern. By the way, the first game is on NBC. And Peacock. The second game is on Fox, and that will be the Giants at the Eagles, 8-15 Eastern time Saturday night. The spread is, Mac? Philadelphia minus seven. Some money coming in on New York, open seven and a half. All right. Then we move to Sunday, 3-30 Eastern time on CBS. The Bengals at the Bills. What's the line? Bills minus four and a half. Some money coming in on them. And then at 6.30 Eastern time, same kickoff as the uh, Super Bowl time, 6.30 Eastern, we'll have the Dallas-Tampa winner, at San Francisco, that game is on Fox, and let's just uh, let's just project what we think the spreads are going to be. So we know the market thinks the Cowboys are four and a half points better than the Bucks. Okay, that's what the spread says. 
Uh, I'm going to say it'll be Niners minus eight and a half versus the Bucks. Mm-hmm. Niners minus six versus the Cowboys. Does that sound right to you guys? Somewhere in there? It sounds about right. Yeah, I think that's probably about fair. I think if it's anything lower for the Cowboys, it's going to be all 49er money. The, 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 only way, the only way I could see maybe less of a number than eight and a half is if like Tom Brady has a second incredible game in a row. And, and Tom it, it kind of puts and, a scare into some and Tom this a rematch of Purdy's first start where they won 28-0 in the first half, 35-0 in the third quarter, ended up 35-7. So I want to see that matchup as a 49ers fan. What was the spread in that game? Um, so 49ers were minus four and a half. And that was starting a rookie quarterback for the right. first time. Right. Like, and now we know what we've seen of yeah. these two teams. So. I, I think eight and a half is probably the right number. Because mm, yeah. any any perceived downgrade that you had from, from Jimmy G to Brock Purdy is now mute. Like It, it, it doesn't exist anymore. So, yeah, I, I think eight and a half is probably a fair number. Let's play a little Fezzik market report here. Do we think – which lines do we think move the most? Right now, Jacksonville, KC, eight and a half. Do we think it gets lower? I think that move already happened. There were some tens yeah. out there when it opened. Okay. I can't see it getting down much lower, especially with all the teasers that are, are going to be on. Do, the, I'll do, say I think the, the, game, what, the game most likely to move from open is San Francisco versus opponent. Okay. Because like we're going to see the market's going to say, okay, this is right or this is wrong. They've already had their bite of the apple on the other three games. This is the one game they haven't gotten to take a bite of yet. So I think we'll probably, if if anything, I think we'll see maybe a point, point and a half move from whatever it opens. Uh, these other games, I would expect, don't move more than a point for the rest of the week, unless there's I, injury news. I can't see them moving the Giants to six and a half. I mean, right now, it opened at seven and a half. The Eagles are seven. I can't see it going to six and a half. There's no way. And then Buffalo is already up to four and a half. I mean, that can't, that can't get to five, can it? Or six. I mean, five's well, a dead number. It doesn't it matter is. anyway. But what McKenzie said that the Bills were two and a half in Cincinnati. One of the strangest line moves game day from one to two and a half. A lot of confidence. In so that would and make then, this a five and a half. It, but then then they were three and a half to open No, I here. guess it would make it four and a half, right? I think four flip, and a half. Flip six. Four, if, if you. Flip four, four. Flip five, I think. If you assume, but it's the playoffs, though. Don't we give it a more, more home more field playoffs. advantage to the playoffs? If you assume that the number was right. In week 17. Then four and a half is the right number. I, I think, yeah, four and a half, five is the right number. That, that feels fair to me. So you think the downgrade or the disappointment from both teams is about the same? I think so. Yeah. I mean, do you? Yes. Yeah. Because uh, I, I would have thought. offensively had couldn't block the whole game. You know, yeah. That's going to show up against Buffalo. It, it, and Cincinnati's offensive line situation, the health situation at this point, is dire. Like they've had they had another offensive lineman leave the game yesterday. Mm. That's three starting offensive linemen in their last three games left yeah. the game yep. and haven't returned. If you're if you're not healthy up front against Buffalo, ask Pittsburgh how that worked out for them trying to trying to protect the quarterback. Like mm-hmm. if you give them they will they will sack you a hundred times if you're <laughs> weak up front. Uh, so if and I don't know the injury reports yet. Cincinnati may be getting healthier there as the week goes on. We'll see. But their offensive line looked like the offensive line they carried into the Super Bowl last year, and that won't fly against Buffalo. It is Martin Luther King Day, and that means day game. While you guys have the day off, a lot of you guys, if you work at a bank, I guess you have the day off. Scott and McKenzie and I do not have the day off because we don't work at a bank. But 
I'm sure we'll watch some NBA today. And NBA starts early. 10 a.m. Eastern tip-off for the first game between the Celtics and Hornets. Wanted to take a look at some of the feature games while we've got NBA expert Mackenzie Rivers in the house. Mac, let's talk about the Pelicans and the Cavs, two teams we were high on coming into the season. Pelicans dealing with a lot of injury woes over the last couple weeks. Uh, do they have enough left in the tank to overcome this Cavs team? No, you look at them without Brandon Ingram, without Zion Williamson. They have won some games against the Wizards and the Pistons and terrible teams. I don't know how they're doing it. They couldn't win any games last year when they didn't have Ingram. Zion obviously out the whole year. This feels like a game they just are overmatched. Cavs just off a loss. Don't really see how the Pelicans could win this game. All right. The Raptors and the Knicks, same time, a noon Eastern tip. Uh, the, the the Knicks have been playing good ball lately. How do we feel about them taking on this Raptors team? Yeah, the red hot winners of seven and eight. I could only look at the Knicks. They're only they're saying the market's saying they're a half point better than the Raptors. That's pretty much where I had them to begin the season. But Scotty Barnes, rookie of the year last year, has taken zero leaps this year. On the other side, R.J. Barrett and Jalen Brunson, shout-out Chicago guy, uh, just way better than anyone expected. Mavericks missing them. Knicks love it, having them. That's the side I would look at. Knicks minus three in this game. And last game we'll look at, a little bit bigger spread. The Suns obviously not at full strength, but they are nine-and-a-half, ten-point dogs at the Grizz. If you look at how teams are doing year-to-date versus the last 30 days, a metric I like to look at, the Knicks, best. Best team, most improved team. The Suns dead last. They're playing seven points worse the last 30 days than they are year to date. Devin Booker is more important than ever to that team, and Chris Paul, I think, is in a different stage of his career. I don't think he can help them much. Rest of the games, the Celtics, I mentioned earlier, they're the first game. They are eight-point favorites at the Hornets. Pacers plus 10.5 at the Bucks. Mentioned the Pelicans catching seven at the Cavs and the Knicks minus three hosting the Raptors. The Warriors minus three at the Wizards fall below 500 yesterday. Uh, the Miami Heat one-point favorites at the Hawks. Jazz two-and-a-half-point dogs at Minnesota. Mentioned the Suns catching 10 at Memphis. And the Rockets plus six-and-a-half at the Lakers. What's going on on the ice? Yeah, plenty of day games as well in the NHL. The action starts 1 o'clock Eastern time. Puck drop from TD Garden in Boston. The Bruins 21-3 and at home this season. They host the Flyers, who are red hot. They've won seven of their last eight for Tortorella. Boston minus 320 on the money line. Maybe a little value there with the Philadelphia Flyers. The Panthers are in Buffalo to take on the Sabres. Florida minus 135. Red Wings at the Avalanche. Colorado minus 190. The Devils absolutely dominant on the road, setting an NHL record. They're 17-2-1 and on the road this season. They're in San Jose to take on the Sharks. Jersey minus 170. Lightning at the Kraken. Seattle, one of the highest scoring teams in the NHL. Tampa minus 130. Total of six and a half. We'll have to look at the goaltending matchup in this one, but we could see an over. Stars are here in town to take on the Golden Knights. VGK minus 125. The Rangers on the second day of a back-to-back in Columbus to take on the Blue Jackets. The Rangers are minus 205. I bet against the Rangers yesterday, guys. But you're from New York. I bet against them. And you're, you're from New York. Yeah. Bet on the, on the New well, York. Well, I had insights. Oh. So the Rangers were north of minus 300 favorites against the Montreal Canadiens. Le Abattant de Montreal. <laughs> and I gave out the Canadians at plus 305. 
So you played a, against New York, yep. and you played a big underdog. I'm yep. proud of you, man. You're making steps. Montreal, would be proud. Montreal won yeah, no two doubt. to one. Here was the explanation I gave. If you are not one of my pregame.com subscribers, what, what are you doing? But this is the explanation. Rangers are already without Chris Kreider. Julian Gauthier didn't play as well yesterday. It was the first game of a back-to-back where Shesterkin played yesterday, which may, means that Yarrow Halak is going to be in net tonight. So... I figured you'd get more of a laxed effort from the Rangers knowing that they're going to have to step it up in the second game of a back-to-back. Also, several players missed practice on Saturday dealing with a stomach virus that's been going through the dressing room. So you got players that are a little bit under the weather. You got Two, one in Kreider, really good players that are missing from the Rangers team, and it's the first of a back-to-back on a Sunday afternoon. I just felt it was prime for the picking to bet against them. And you think Vegas is not maybe as uh, carefully looking through all these different scenarios? Not on a football Sunday. Exactly. That's why there's money to be made in hockey, no doubt about it. There you go. More of the rest of the schedule. Ducks at the Penguins. Pittsburgh is really struggling lately. Just two wins in their last, I don't know, nine to 11 games something like that. It's just been a bad run here for Pittsburgh, and uh, it's no surprise that a lot of the uh, bad performances have come after the uh, new year when Tristan Jari got hurt in the uh, Winter Classic, and it's been Casey DeSmith mainly in net for the Penguins, so we'll see who they have in net uh, tonight against Anaheim. The Ducks also goaltending has been just Oh, my God. You want to talk about uh, who's winning the Connor Bedard sweepstakes. Uh, Anaheim is certainly in the mix there. So Penguins minus 335. Capitals at the Islanders. New York minus 120. The Flames at the Predators. Calgary minus 155. And the Senators at the Blues. That is a split. Minus 110 both ways. Uh, Gave out a best bet on my college basketball podcast last night. I will give it to you here this morning because the line has not moved. Ooh, can I guess it? Sure. All right. Is it a top 25 matchup? It is. Okay. Then, all right. I'm going to say AJ's best bet on the college basketball podcast is Michigan State plus three at home against Purdue. Right game. Wrong side. Oh, no, no, no. It's under 133 and a half. Under 134 is okay. the play. Under 134 <laughs> is available. Uh, Scott's heard me. I'm trying I'm trying to get away from road favorites in college basketball. It's killing me early this season. I've, I'm, it's dead to me right now. So, uh, But Michigan State is taking money. First of all, they were plus four and a half to open. That's why I figured that that was your play. Yeah, yeah. Purdue, Purdue is a monster. and they, But they're on the road where they've kind of played with fire this year. They only beat Ohio State by two. They needed overtime to beat Nebraska, who's certainly not good. Mm. Uh, so this is a team that struggles a little bit on the road. And they're playing a Michigan State team that's coming off a, an ugly loss at Illinois. They shot 0 for 7 from 3 in that game. And they lost Malik Hall to an ankle injury that had him out from Thanksgiving to Christmas. This guy is key to their offense. Purdue is maybe the best team at the country in the country at, at getting second chance points, points off of offensive rebounds. But Sparty is excellent at limiting that. So we've got two teams that are really slow. Purdue's the slowest team in the Big Ten, averaging a full 20 seconds per possession. And Sparty's gotten slower since conference play started. Purdue defends really well inside and out. 
Neither team puts opponents on the free throw line, so not a lot of free throws, not a lot of free stuff. If Purdue is limited in second chances, those second chances they normally dominate with, and they don't shoot a ton of free throws, I think this game becomes a real ugly, old-school Big Ten grind. Purdue-Michigan State under 134. You know what you have in your favor here? You have the penny lean. Of all the 134s out there, there's one 133 at the sharpest book in the world, bookmakers, so... That tends to be a good indicator of a good pick. That makes me feel good, McKenzie. I've got one note from the UFC this weekend. Uh, there was a, a small card this weekend, there, or last weekend. There's a big pay-per-view coming up this weekend. The best bet that I gave out on Friday's show that I said, I don't like the chances of this girl because I think she's going to have a really hard time making weight. Yeah, she didn't make weight. <laughs> Fight got canceled because she did not make weight. Uh, but the news was announced this weekend that John Jones – will return and will fight for the heavyweight title at UFC 285 on March 4th. The that vacated fi- that heavyweight fight, title. That fight will be right here in Las Vegas, Nevada. And you're Sick. right. Uh, Francis Ngannou has been released from the UFC, so he's free to go do his own thing. The, well, what is he going to do? It, probably boxing is my guess. That's where the big money is. Dana White did the thing, and this is such a Dana White move. When a guy, and this, Francis Ngannou is not the first guy to leave the UFC because he wanted more money mm-hmm. and they didn't want to pay it. When they do inevitably leave, he says he wants to go fight weaker competition for more money. Hmm. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Imagine, I wish I had a job that was right. way less stressful, way easier, and I got paid way more. I mean, that, isn't that the American dream? Like he's the baddest right. man on the planet, though. Yeah, uh, there. I mean, there's talks about him fighting like Deontay Wilder or Tyson Fury. Like it, it could be a, a like he could be the heavyweight champ, a big like, payday type of thing. So that would be cool. Yeah, I mean, think about. I mean, the, the biggest draw in UFC history had to go do a a, a celebrity boxing match basically to get Boy, his biggest weather. payday yeah. ever. So. That's what happens when these guys don't get paid what they want from the UFC. They go out and find it somewhere else. He's doing it. The early number on U- on UFC 285 available at DraftKings minus one ten John Jones, minus one ten Cyril Gone. Pick him. This mm. is a close fight. This is awesome. And uh, they've also announced the rematch for UFC 286. Two weeks later, March 18th, Kamaru Usman and Leon Edwards. If you remember, uh, Leon Edwards was getting his ass kicked for four and a half rounds and then knocked Kamaru Usman into oblivion. <laughs> and uh, the the rematch says, we think that was BS. Uh, FanDuel has the number at minus 250 on Usman, plus 205 return on Leon Edwards, the champ. Wow, wow. Yeah, I'd probably go that way as well. Uh, well, that's an update on what's going on in the Octagon. Uh, and what's going on at pregame.com is discounts for all of you. The promo code that we gave out last week prior to the Super card, super Wild Card Weekend, still intact. Super 20. If you didn't use it yet, use it now. Super 20 at pregame.com gets you 20% off anything you'd like at the website. I'll tell you what. If you've already used that coupon and, and you want to use another one, here's another one for you. Alarm 20. I'm going to give you two coupons. Why? Nice of you. I mean, it's a holiday. You're a good guy. So, Alarm 20, Super 20. Use one if you haven't used it yet. If you haven't used either of them, use them both. 20% off 
at pregame.com. And if you aren't a pregame.com member, well, I mean, you, you just, you're missing out because new members get a free $25 just for signing up. So go sign up at pregame.com. Get yourself a daily best bet package. It's free if you are a new member. And if you already are a member, take 20% off using Super 20 or Alarm 20. From Mackenzie Rivers and AJ Hoffman, I'm Scott Seidenberg. Enjoy your day. Lots of action this afternoon. We are straight out of Vegas. AM.